Well, how great to be with you once again. Uh, coming to you from Down Under back in Sydney. And man, my US friends, including our daughter Elise, our Oasis friends, you seem so far away right now. Um, it's so great to have this opportunity. I'm very grateful for Pastor Julian uh, throwing me the ball and uh, giving me the opportunity to open God's Word with you today. What an incredible season that we are in right now. Um, it's a season that uh, is a one in a hundred year kind of uh, circumstance. Uh, none of us really have ever experienced anything like this before. Um, you know, it's, it's quite amazing how as I talk to pastors around the world and, and we we're in contact with a lot of pastors. Um, let me give you a couple of the comments that they uh, that they've come up with. Just there's, there's just a couple. Uh, we're in uh, contact with probably 500 pastors a week um, at Leaderscape. And, and uh, this might give you an encouragement because these men and women of God, they, they are they're incredible. Uh, they're my heroes negotiating this whole season. Um, and you think, man, that gives me hope. Here's what some of, some of their comments have been about this season. Um, By the grace of God, we are surviving. Someone else said, I am tired. Uh, someone said, it's been exhausting. Another one said, I am totally exhausted. Um, another one said, so it's been a massively disrupted year. Man, ain't that an understatement? Um, someone said this morning, this came in, uh, it's like a triathlon, changing routine at a moment's notice to something radically different. How many feel like you've learned how to do a triathlon in this time? Any triathlon runners there? Why don't you let us know if you, in the, in the, in the comments box, if you're a triathlon, if you've done a marathon. I did one marathon uh, about 12 years ago now. I'm not a marathon runner, uh, but did the New York Marathon. If you're a triathlon, marathon or couch potato, um, put that in the chat box and let's have a bit of fun together uh, today. Um, but here's, here's the one that I've, I've honestly had most common, most often of pastors. And they're speaking about you. They've said, we have really tried so hard to help people get over the fear of COVID. Um, it seems that no matter what channel that you turn on, no matter what uh, Twitter feed or social media platform, there is healthy diet of fear and worry and anxiety that we, we put up with every single day. Um, I remember there was a time actually, uh, some of you might remember this, there was a, a horrific tsunami that hit the coast of Japan, Thailand, uh, wiped out the island pretty much of Phuket uh, and, and northern Indonesia, a place called Aceh. And I think hundreds of thousands of people were killed when this tsunami uh, made land. And uh, characteristic of tsunamis, apparently, I'm nowadays there's a whole lot of early warning systems and so forth. But back in the day, one of the most uh, typical uh, uh, kind of signs was a rapidly retreating tide that goes out almost as far as the eye could see. Um, and uh, many villages in some of those areas, again, unsophisticated, uh, simple folk thought, man, this is a gift. They started picking up fish from the from the, the mudflats were flapping around everywhere. They thought they, were, they, they had a bountiful catch. Well, I was at Arche. 
I was in Arche about a month after. I mean, tragically, they were still pulling bodies out of the uh, out of out of buildings. Um, it was a horrible scene. We were doing some aid work there. We were sitting down at one of the only restaurants. Call it a restaurant. It was basically the only place that was serving food, uh, an outdoor kind of place. And uh, and 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 it was sort of laminated tables and, um, and and we'd ordered our food, fish something or other. And all of a sudden there was this screaming, marauding crowd and they were screaming at the top of their voice, something in Bahasa, Indonesian. I didn't know what it was. Uh, within a moment's time, my local host, fat lot of good he was, Palos Ratno, great friend of mine, he took off. So I just took off after him. Apparently, we later learnt they were yelling at the top of their voice, tsunami, tsunami. Someone had been watching uh, the coast and seen the tide retreat, saw the tsunami on the horizon and the land was flat, friends. So we raced to find the car. There were people falling over each other, being trampled. We slowly got in the, uh, the car, had to turn it round. It was facing the wrong way and started to inch our way up to higher ground. Uh, it wasn't probably 20 minutes and the police started to walk alongside the the snail paced traffic and say in Indonesian and he translated for me uh, false alarm false alarm false alarm but I've got to honestly say it was the most panicked I think I've ever been as I look back out of the 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 the, the rear window of that four-wheel drive I half suspected a a tsunami wave to engulf the entire car. My heart was pounding out of my chest. Now, I didn't panic by, but I can understand in a way some of the symptoms or some of the causes, sorry, of of panic. Um, Everyone loves a good gold medal. You guys in America, you're experts at gold medals. I mean, we're just rookies. And uh, we just recently celebrated one of our crowning glories, and that's the Sydney 2000 Olympic Games. Uh, you, You probably don't even know these names, but Kathy Kathy Freeman won the 200 metres women's uh, uh, track event. Uh, that was a, a crowning day for Australia. Uh, torpedo or Thorpedo, uh, Ian Thorpe uh, led the 4x100 and 4x200 um, Australian relays to gold medal status. And we love a good gold medal down in Australia. Uh, in fact, one of, the, one of the things that we are gold medalists that they say is we've handled this pandemic and I guess being an island it's been reasonably easy to do that uh, reasonably well. The other thing if there were a gold medal of panic buying apparently uh, says the researchers at the New South Wales University um, that we would also get gold medal. We were experts in toilet paper, we were experts in canned food, Uh, man we hit that thing hard. There were queues outside the supermarkets uh, for for, for miles uh, as far as the eye could see. Um, I'm not sure it's a great one to get a gold medal in, to be honest. But the reasons they say uh, people um, engage in panic buying, I experienced that day. There was a, there was a, there were two, there's two ways of thinking. Some part of our thinking comes out of what they call the amygdala, the amygdala, which is our emotional flight, fight or freeze uh, response. Um, area. And that's the one that instantly uh, gets you out of trouble. Now, fear is not instinctively a bad thing, friend. If you if you are up in the northern part of Australia uh, and you have a crocodile, a 15 foot crocodile come out of the water at you and your dog, um, I want to tell you, having a bit of fear is actually a good thing. Imagine, ah, 
you never smile at a crocodile. That's what I've heard to say. Um, or if you're, you're in a, 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 a pass somewhere running and, and, a, and a huge brown bear comes out at you, you want to have a bit of fear right then. So fear in, of, in and of itself is not a bad thing. Um, anxiety, on the other hand, is the same kind of symptomatology without the external sim- stimulus, without the crocodile, without the king brown snake, without the, the Noah's Ark, we call them in Australia, shark, without the brown bear. And there's this dull, sometimes peaking um, uh, uh, feelings of unrest and uncertainty and worry and concern. Um, now, in terms of uh, panic, it's a very heightened feeling of dread. And so on that particular day, when I was in that four wheel drive, feeling like we're about to be engulfed by a tsunami, I'm telling you, I hate to admit it, I was panicking. You know, even if I wanted to, don't panic, don't panic, uh, as we tried to get out onto higher ground. Um, There was definitely those two ways of thinking, the amygdala, instant response, and the frontal cortex, which is the more rational, let's think this through, they were having World War III, I'm telling you. Um, there was a herd mentality that day. And there is so with panic buying. Um, there's, a, there's, th- th- there's false information that comes through. Um, th- there's an intolerance for uncertainty. Man, it was uncertain. Um, people go into what they call an an anticipatory anxiety. They're anticipating the worst. They lose all sense of control. Panic buying gives them some sense of control. I heard of a pastor, actually his pastor, the pastor's wife dobbed him in the other day, uh, that he was in a supermarket in Australia and he bought some powdered milk. And when asked, and they were being interviewed together, why did you buy powdered milk? He said, it was the only thing left and it was just my way of getting control. We never use powdered milk. We never will use powdered milk. But he bought powdered milk that apparently is still in the cupboard today. Um, The Archer experience was a really illuminating one for me when we think about panic. You know, when a baby is born... Uh, And this gives me the title of my message today. I'm about to turn to the scriptures in a moment. But when a baby's born, they only have two fears. They have the fear of loud noise. If you go into a a cradle and you yell loudly or a dog barks, that that baby's going to start. No one taught the baby that. That's instinctive. And the other thing that they're fearful of is falling. Uh, If you drop a baby, I don't suggest you try that, but they will cry. They'll be fearful. Um, They did a survey or research exercise, actually, with 500 random adults. There was a cross section of socioeconomics and ethnicities and genders. Um, and, And over that time from newborn to adult, they collectively had 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 attached themselves to 7,000 different fears, which gives the title of my message, 6998 Fears, 6,998 Fears. Um, we, some of us, it's like we've got a Velcro soul. Any fear that's going, we will allow it to get attached to our soul. Uh, you know that God, God created you before the fall, not you, but, but mankind, with almost like a Teflon soul. You see, you were never created to be bound up in the negative emotions of the fears that so easily want to attach themselves to you. Um, the, the fears unrestrained and undealt with, and there's, and there's no context to that. Um, fears will, will affect you physically. 
they will give you physical illness. For some cases, they'll give you headaches, neck ache. Um, they'll, they'll give you ulcers. They'll give you stomach conditions. They'll give you nervous, con- they'll give you skin conditions. If you allow fears to rule and reign in your heart. And so in the midst of this 6,998 fears that we've added to our lives corporately as adults since we were babies, I want to today give you a few antidotes. We're all looking for a vaccine for COVID. Uh, I want to give you some antidotes for COVID of the soul, for, for allowing fear or repelling fear from your life. Come with me to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 and verse 17. Let me, let me read this to you. It says, For if by one man's offence death reigned through the one, that's Adam, and through his offence death came in. We know that because soon after he fell and disobeyed, he and Eve disobeyed God, it says, um, God was looking for the him in the in the cool of the of the afternoon in the garden, and uh, and and the Bible says that Adam hid himself because he was afraid. He hid himself. That was the first mention of fear. Fear was never intended to be part of mankind, but but separation from God. I want you to note that actually opened the door to an horrific number: six thousand nine hundred ninety-eight types of fear. God never had that in mind. And fear is part of a, a, a broader thing. You know, when we think about the, the number of, of, uh, of fears or in a sense, uh, phobias that people can develop, it's quite, it's quite amazing. Um, you know, there's agoraphobia, I think open spaces, there's claustrophobia of closed spaces. Uh, I would have hated to have been someone with claustrophobia in lockdown. That would have been absolutely horrible. Um, uh, there's, there's fear of heights, fear of flights, fear of spiders. Many of my American friends have got that as far as Australia is concerned. Fear of snakes. Um, and, and probably the ultimate kind of fear that there is, is the fear of death. And we see that articulated there by Paul uh, to, the, to the Romans, where he says, just as, as by one man's offence, death reigned through that one, much more those who receive abundance of grace. Note that. That's actually the first antidote. Those who receive the abundance of grace. Secondly, the gift of righteousness will reign in life. So, so the contrast of that is death. And that is a reigning in life. A the words of Zoe in the in the Greek, a fullness of life um, through the one Christ Jesus. You see, when you deal with the ultimate death, then it can tend to contextualize all of the types of fears um, that tend toward that. Um, so God never intended uh, pain and weariness that can actually open someone up to a greater degree of susceptibility to fear and panic. Um, sickness and disease, we're all experiencing that right now. Um, and, and, and that is part of, it is a symptom in a sense, an early symptom of death. And then, of course, there's the first death where we leave this planet. 
Now, now, right now, let me just pause for a moment. It's not that long ago, maybe for me, I guess it is a fair while ago now, 37 years ago that um, I was a young man away from God and lost. It was a lonely place to be. And though in one sense, as uh, as a young man back then of, of 22 or 23, uh, I, I felt bulletproof. I felt invincible. There was a couple of times. I remember one time that I that I'd been drinking all all evening, and to be honest, and I hate to, I'm ashamed to admit this, but I was driving under the influence. A, a beaten up little car. I was by myself, fortunately, and I flipped that car on its roof. Um, I should have been killed, and I had a tiny little scratch on my back. You see that near death experience much worse than my situation up in uh, Arche, though it certainly didn't feel like that at the time. And frankly, many times since then, I've been in other car accidents, for example, in, in Kalimantan, in Borneo, in, uh, in Indonesia, where we've run off the road and nearly gone into a swollen river. Um, I've had other situations where I was stung by a scorpion in the Philippines. And who knows how many other times where just a split second more or a yard this way or that way, and life would have been over for me. Uh, I lived a pretty gnarly, uh, on the edge existence in a bad way. And so when I had that accident, it, it was amazing how, how it led me to start to think through eternal matters. Um, I want to address you right now, if, if, if honestly, hand on your heart, and maybe it's just you and I, you're in your lounge room or in your dining room or maybe driving in your car um, and you're watching this, um, this crazy Aussie uh, talking about snakes and spiders and, and, and sharks and one thing or another. Let me say to you, there's a God in heaven that really does love you. And just like for me as a young man of 22, uh, way back in the day where I heard a message that for the first time in my life, I heard the fact that it wasn't up to me to be a kind of a goody two-shoes. It wasn't up to me to get it together and be really good and religious. But it was actually, rather than what I did, it was what he'd already done. Rather than me being good, my life could be resting and hid in his goodness. That what he did on that cross, and I'm going to pray just in 10 minutes or so at the end of this message for every single person here. And I believe there are many of you watching on who says, Michael, honestly, I, I need to say yes to Jesus. I need to get my life right with, with Jesus Christ at this time. And man, what a great celebration in heaven that will be. So hang in there. We're going to get there just in a few moments time. So come back to the thought here. The fact that, that, that Paul writes to the Roman church, he said in the same way when Adam fell, um, sin entered the world and so did fear. Um, when one man's offence, death came in, which is the ultimate fear. Um, in the same way that through one man's act of obedience to God, um, the abundance of grace. Now, I got a bit of a coffee here. We're friends. We can, we can have a bit of a casual moment. We're talking about not a, not a coffee mug full or a thimble full of grace. We're talking about oceans of grace. You say, grace, what the heck's that? You see, grace is the word that, is, that, that describes for us the empowering of God to help us live the victorious life that all of us aspire to. 
And that's God's abundance of grace. And that's what Jesus brought into the world when he took that your sin on that cross and rose again from the dead. That's the first antidote, the abundance of God's grace. Let me just look at me right now. I want to speak that abundance of God's grace. You see, that's not up to you. It's, 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 it's up to God. And that is an abundance that he wants to give you. The second antidote is the gift of righteousness. You say, oh, come on, you lost me at grace. Righteousness, I've got no hope. <laughs> what is that? Righteousness is just a fancy God word for you are in right standing with God. That all is well with your soul, if you like. And, and so that's the next thing that when we accept what Jesus has done for us, it sends panic scurrying. It sends fear scurrying because we've got the abundance of God's grace or empowerment. We've got the gift of righteousness that reconnects us to him. And, and as our saviour, as our Lord, we know that he'll fight on our behalf. Let me open up the scripture one more, one more before we, we, we start to draw this to a close. Uh, John wrote a couple of letters. Uh, obviously, there's the, the Gospel of John, but at the back of the New Testament, there's a couple of letters that John wrote. And in the first letter that he wrote, in, uh, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. Because fear involves torment. That's panic, friend. That's panic. That's the, the dread, the sense of doom that happens when panic happens. Um, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. The first antidote, what was it again? The abundance of grace, oceans of God's grace. The second antidote is the gift of righteousness. One is the empowerment. One, the second is the connection intimately with him. And the third is the perfection of the love of God. Abundance of grace, the gift of righteousness and the perfection. You say perfect love. I, I, how can I? No, no, no. It's, it's, it's literally the completion of love, which is just think about it for a moment. Imagine a being so magnificently huge that he can fling the stars into space and he holds them there by the power of his word, that same God is crazy about you. That same God calls you his beloved. There's no fear in love because the completion of love or perfect love casts out. It gets pretty violent with fear. You know, when Jesus was baptized in the river Jordan in Luke chapter 3, um, the heavens opened, the Holy Spirit came and descended upon him like a dove. Jesus, the Son of God, was there. And then we hear the voice of the Father. Here's what he said. You are, that's a God voice, right? You are my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. You are my beloved Son. That's not for Jesus alone, friend. Listen to me. He says this over you. You, Peter, are my beloved son. You, Sally, are my beloved daughter. He calls you his beloved one. <laughs> How good news is that? 
Now, interestingly, when Jesus was on the cross and, and the, the devil was taunting him through uh, the, 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 he said, through the soldier, the word was, if you are the son of God, come down from that cross. Not only did, frankly, the devil undermine the, the sonship or Jesus' very identity, but he left out the word beloved. The father said, you are my beloved son. The enemy said, the devil said, if you are the son of God. You think, what's the significance of that? You see, the devil will do everything he possibly can to Keep hidden the fact that you are totally loved by God. He removed the beloved. And it's almost like for some here, and, and, I, and I don't need to be a prophet to know this is the case, that for many of us, fears abound. You know, for some of us, fears and worry and panic are an occasional visitor. For others, they're a permanent residence. And, and for you to understand that you are totally Beloved by God, you are, you are, the, the devil does not want you to know that. So that's why I'm repeating it right now. You are loved by God. For many of you, fears have become like giants, like mountains. I'm reminded of the story of, of David and Goliath and, and King David. He wasn't then, he was just a shepherd boy. Um, but he, he came out to the front lines and his brothers were, were suffering the ignominy, the, 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 the discomfort, <laughs> the panic of having this incredible lump of a, of, of a man, nine foot tall uh, Philistine giant taunting them um, like there was no tomorrow. They were freaking out. And so David comes along to bring some lunch to the front line to his brothers and says, what's going on here? And, uh, and the brothers said, don't be stupid. And David said, I'll have a go. I'll have a go. So David takes some stones and the, you know the story, uh, flings, flings those, hits the, 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 gi the giant in the middle of the forehead and brings him down, cuts off his head. And David's whole confession was the same God that delivered me from the, the, the mouth of the lion and the mouth of the bear. See, every time God comes through for you, it's it like it adds a dimension of faith. He said, he's going to deliver me from the hand of this infidel, this, 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 this Philistine, this, this crazy giant that's taunting you all. And indeed, that's what happened. The giant came down. And I honestly believe that God wants you right now to see the giants of fear and panic the 6,998 or a collection of those fears that corporately human adults have attached to themselves, they're going down. Interestingly, the name David literally means beloved, beloved, beloved. Um, it takes someone who is beloved to take down the giant. And that's exactly what God wants to do for you in your life. Um, you are accepted in the beloved. You are highly favoured by God. You're filled with peace, not panic, and you're immune from death's sting. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57, it says, Ah, oh, death, Paul is writing, Ah, oh, death, where is your sting? Ah, oh, death, where is your victory? And it talks about the fact that God has won the victory over the ultimate fear, which is the first and the second death. You can know 
the fulfillment of that promise in your own life personally, knowing that God nestles you in his arms. You can know the peace of God to pass every bit of panic. Hey, let me ask you this question. Where do you stand with God today? Yeah, I'm asking you. You're watching on. Maybe you're at home by yourself. Maybe with a couple of friends. Maybe you're driving in your car. Listen up. You know that that this God in heaven is not just for religious folk. This God in heaven who loves you with an everlasting love. He calls you his beloved. He's your God as well. And I want to pray a prayer just in a moment's time. And I'm going to invite you to pray along with me. Uh, and, And you don't have to do it loudly. You can do it under your breath. And when I say amen at the end, if you're saying yes to Jesus for the very first time, or maybe you're coming back into that sweet spot that you know God wants you to dwell, uh, why don't you say amen <laughs> at the end? And, and in that is saying, yes, I affirm that. And honestly, I, I'm so excited about what God is going to do for you in your life. You ready? Come on. You pray this prayer after me. I'm going to pray it line by line. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, come on, you pray it. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you right now in the precious name of Jesus. I acknowledge my need of you. I thank you for taking my sin on that cross. And I receive right now the forgiveness that you have won for me. I confess right now that I'm a believer in Jesus Christ and I receive your love. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, if you prayed that for the very first time, or maybe maybe you've been distant from God over the last couple of months, or frankly, even maybe a long time, years and years and years, welcome, seriously, welcome, back in or for the first time into the family of God. Could you let us know? We, one of the things I love about Pastor Julian and Christina and the team here, they love to help people take, as much as people will let them, their next steps. You've made a great first step today, but there are more steps for you to take in order for you to be strengthened. When I finally do get back to LA, uh, I'd love you to come up to me and say, hey, remember that day online you talked about the 6,999 fears and the, and the antidote to, to those fears? Um, I made a decision for Jesus that day. Man, I'm going to give you a hug and I'll be so happy to meet you. Thank you so much for receiving God's Word today. Uh, A big God bless you from Sydney, Australia.